Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Brandon Piller, joined by Chris Parliament for today's episode. The bye week has come and gone. The All-Star weekend included two Ottawa Senators in Brady Kachuk and Anthony Duclair. The Sens get back into action against the Devils tonight. Belleville wins back-to-back games against division rivals, the Utica Comets. And Alex Formanton is a confirmed speedster. And, as always, a tankathon spin on today's episode. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello, Sens fans, and welcome to the Locked On Senators podcast. It's been a while since our last episode uh, as the Ottawa Senators. They've been on their bye week up until now, but we're back with lots to talk about. Ross is probably still snoozing after he came home on a red-eye flight from Vancouver from his West Coast trip. Lots of cool spots he visited, but Parley, you're wide awake and ready to go. How cool was it to see Matthew and Brady Kachuk at the All-Star game together and in St. Louis, nonetheless. It's so cool for that family because, you know, Keith got to be a part of it, their dad wearing the St. Louis jersey, and then they each had their own jerseys on, the All-Star jerseys, and it was a cool moment, you know, and if you want to go back even further, it's uh, a moment where, you know, Matthew or sorry, Austin Matthews, so many Matthews in this story, Austin Matthews got hurt, but he's kind of a family friend of the Kachucks. They grew up in the national team development program, so it's kind of nice that Brady was able to fit in for him there. And hey, we talked about it on the last show. Brady's got 15 goals. He definitely wasn't a slide-in because of the story. He's uh, put together quite a good season so far. But yeah, such a cool moment for them, and really a rink they grew up in. You know, we've heard stories of the past of uh, Keith Kachuk had the, the equipment managers in the arena uh, staff come over to their house and put some uh, arena glass in their front window because the Kachuk boys were breaking windows with shots. So, I mean, St. Louis is definitely a hometown for them. And what a moment for them to be able to uh, kind of be in the buzz of what St. Louis hockey is right now, coming off the, the uh, Stanley Cup win. And now they've got the All-Star game there and everything and all the festivities that go with it. So very cool moment for them to be a part of with uh, with their dad. And I'm sure... I mean, there was 40-plus Kachucks the last time they played each other. I'm sure that that number was pretty close again when they were when they were at the All-Star break in their hometown. So it was pretty cool to see, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And what, just what an amazing family. Like, imagine the, the memories that the, these uh, brothers and dad and uh, their mom and sister and all those, I'm sure, cousins and aunts and uncles that were at that game probably were in St. Louis, too, I would assume. So just incredible. And... Uh, the fact that Brady Kachuk replaced Austin Matthews, I mean, it's more of a coincidence than anything, but I just love that the Sens guy replaces the For Leafs sure. guy. Obviously, it's unfortunate that it happens due to injury, but that's just great. And you talked about how Brady Kachuk has 15 goals. He wasn't uh, just a guy put in there for the story. But also, I think something important to consider is, and it's kind of funny talking about it in an all-star game, but the intangibles that a guy like Brady Kachuk brings, because these all-star games... Uh, I don't know about you, but the level of competition usually isn't that great. Uh, it's a little loosey-goosey, and it's it's not great for TV. But at the actual rink, 
the kids that are there are having an absolute blast. And a guy like Brady Kachuk, who, let's be honest, he's pretty much a kid himself still, can just add so much fun and uh, so much energy to an environment that's already exploding with energy. So I think it was a good move by the NHL to have Kachuk be the guy. And again, just that Kachuk family is just just absolutely incredible. And classic Brady. I don't know if you saw the story, but he was actually in the Bahamas when he got the call. He was taking his oh, break. Nice. Didn't know he was making the game. He was at Senior Frogs. I'm sure tipping back a couple uh, margaritas, maybe some tequila down in the Bahamas. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, he got the call and he kind of had to jump outside. And they said, yeah, you got to cut it short, kid. You got to come back and be in the all-star break. So he said that was a pretty cool moment, kind of full of emotion, sort of thing like that. And then another cool little stat I found for you. Um, I won't make you guess because I think it's pretty obvious, but they're the first brother combination in an all-star game since 2012. Obviously, the Sedins being the two in the 2012. Oh, okay. So so it's kind of neat to see that, uh, you know, we kind of have a new era. Obviously, it's not the same. They're not on the same line. But, or uh, twins. <laughs> yeah, two brothers in the show, both in the all-star break. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and for sure. And I was actually that I'm glad you brought that up because I was wondering how many brothers have been to the All Star Game, and immediately my mind went to the Stalls or uh, uh, some some families like that. But the Sedins, because yeah, there were six. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's uh, good odds there when you got sixty. But the Sedins, that's that's the obvious one. But there wasn't just one All Star in St. Louis for the Ottawa Senators. We should definitely mention the OG. Ottawa Senators All-Star, who was originally selected to go. He was not a replacement. Anthony Duclair. Parley, what do you think about how he performed? And I know we just talked about how the game isn't always the best competition, but Duclair, he racked up some points big time in this weekend. Yeah, you talk about the intangibles Birdie has and how it's kind of the uh, the showcase of the characters in the NHL sometimes when it comes to that. And the NHL definitely, you know... Most people don't love the All-Star break and what all goes along with it, but the off-ice stuff, they certainly make a lot of content and put it out there to try and, you know, bring the personality of the players to the forefront and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's definitely interesting to see guys like Brady in the in the All-Star break. But when it comes to guys like Anthony Duclair, his skill set definitely fits the new format of the All-Star game. I mean, three-on-three, three, wide open, entirely skill-based. And like you said, he was able to put up points pretty often in this one a lot of people don't realize how fast he is with the puck I mean there's been a lot of knocks on him there where he, he maybe doesn't understand the game as best obviously Tortorella's uh kind of sh- thrown off a couple things about that in the past but one thing that everyone knew he had and that for sure was his straight line speed with the puck and his hands around the net and I mean in a situation like this that's obviously shown off and he's another guy too that is able to pull off moves and try moves at a high pace of play. So again, this kind of format fits his game personally or perfectly. And uh, I mean, it's such a feel good story for Anthony Duclair and it's good to see him make the all-star break because in a season like this where the senators have, I guess it's kind of a tumultuous season. Things kind of keep going against them and it was, it's a rebuilding year for a guy like this. This is definitely a career year. He's on pace for an absolutely outstanding year and for him to get some recognition for it and have fun and produce at an all-star break. It's, it must be a really nice break from, you know, they were on a nine game slide and then win one game heading into the all-star break. It must be a kind of re-energizing moment for a guy like Anthony Duclair, who certainly deserves it with the year he's been putting up. I couldn't agree more Parley. And Declare, it's especially important. I think it's great that you mentioned the Tortorella stuff because that 
that was less than a year ago. Like we're talking about a guy who had a veteran, well-respected coach basically tell the entire world he doesn't think this guy knows how to play hockey. And then a year later, he's having a career year and he is a worthy candidate to be in the All-Star game. Like it's not like, and I don't want to get too uh, beat up on the Red Wings too much, but it's not like he was a guy that made the All-Star game just because there was uh, a player needed from his team. And I think Tyler Bertuzzi even admitted that he understands that uh, that was probably the case with him. But Anthony Duclair deserved to be there and he showed up a Hattie in the first game. And then uh, he also had two assists. So three goals and two assists total. I think one assist in the first game and then another one in the final game. But this guy, he continues to impress. And how about that impressive uh, performance in the fastest skater competition, eh, Parley? Yeah, he, he can he can move for sure. And it's it's fun to watch a guy like th- that competition is definitely my favorite. You know, you can watch the skill stuff all you want. But, you know, these guys all have puck skills are in the national league you know what i mean so you you get to see these guys the fastest skater that's definitely one that i actually pay attention to it was fun to see uh kind of the king of speed in the national league get thrown off in Connor mcdavid by uh like one of my favorites in maddie barzell a guy that can really move but anthony Duclair definitely deserves to be in that comp or conversation of fastest skater and uh yeah he showed up it, it was it was fun to watch that's definitely one that i like but Let's put a little bit of an asterisk beside things because, you know, you they really mentioned it last year and it kind of, it made me think differently of the entire event. And these guys are cold sitting on the bench. Then you got to go full speed around a circle. You know what I mean? It, it would be nice to see like warmed up Connor McDavid, how fast he could go sort of thing. And uh, I don't know, they definitely put it all out there, but I mean, you can only go as far as the legs let you. So yeah, it's impressive to watch them fly around, but it would be fun to see them warmed up. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I don't think uh, either one of us would do too great if we were sitting on the bench and then uh, decided to go full speed. I probably wouldn't finish lap in 25 seconds, let alone under 15 like these guys did. Anthony DeClaire, he finished in 14 seconds. As you mentioned, Barzell was the winner. He finished in 13.175 seconds. And like you said, it's crazy. Someone beat McDavid. I think uh, you just automatically assume he's the fastest. And I think, I think like you said, he might be in game situations, especially, uh, was it against Calgary? I forget that one time. But when the, the famous saying, he's speeding in school zones, uh, he was going over 40 kilometers an hour on that play. So just a guy with some insane, insane speed. But uh, anything else to add uh, to the All-Star Game chat before we move on to the Sens finally getting back into action tonight, Parley? I'm glad it's over. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, don't, I think the bye week is an interesting idea, and then you got the All-Star break too, but uh, we love our NHL hockey, so we're just glad it's back. And what a way to come back. The showdown of the century, Parley. The Ottawa Senators versus the New Jersey Devils, a tankathon special if there ever was one. The 28th and 29th place teams are going at it. What do you got in this game, Parley? Yeah, definitely a barn burner. Um, bet the over. I don't know what you can say about this one. It's going to be interesting because, yes, this is two bad teams going at it, but this is kind of the uh, the unofficial start of the second half for teams. So, you know, coaches, they've had a week to practice. They've got rested guys now. All those bumps and bruises seem a little less worse. These guys, they went and had some family time. They recharged the batteries. So coming out in this one, I think this isn't a game where you can afford to start late. 
because I think one of the teams, if not both, are going to be flying out of the gates because, you know, they're back on schedule. They're back moving to where they should be. And they're both young teams. There's lots of young legs out there that are going to be ready to go right out of the gate. So I expect this one to be fast. And, you know, I kind of jokingly just said that bet the over, but I wouldn't be surprised if we maybe had a little bit more of a high scoring game in two teams that struggle to put the puck in the net. Yeah, and the last time these two teams met was late December, I think the 29th, if I remember correctly. My my brothers were at that game, actually. Shout out Kyle and Jordan, if you're listening. But uh, Jack Hughes, they uh, he scored the game-winning goal in overtime. It was a 4-3 game in Ottawa. So, nice one, too. Yeah, definitely a nice one, especially for a guy like Jack Hughes, who was getting a lot of criticism for being a first overall pick and not really exploding out of the gate like we've seen with some of these other guys. But these two teams, Parley, they're pretty they're pretty close in the standings. I mean, only one point separates the Devils and the Senators. But what I like to see, uh, looking at the standing stats, is the Sens have a much better home record. 12-8-4 and four is the Sens record at home. And the Devils' home record is 7-9-7. Seven, and seven. So I just think for a rebuilding team, winning games at home, it's huge. Because it gives the fans and the players some confidence and pride and... You're not going to win them all, but if you are going to win some games and uh, add points to your total, which is kind of uh, not what you want to do in rebuilding years, but if you're going to do that, better to do it at home than on the road. A little bit of a a lineup note, too, as well in this game. um, Goalie-friendly show. Mackenzie Blackwood is going to be back in net for the Devils. He hasn't played since January 9th. He missed a couple games with an injury, so he'll be back in tonight in relief for a guy that Belleville's beat up on, and I'm sure the Sens would, too, and Corey Schneider. So Mackenzie Blackwood back in net tonight. Sorry, Sens fans, you will not see Corey Schneider in net. Yeah, and I mean for New Jersey, it's kind of that's kind of been the story of their success, eh? Is since Marty Brodeur left, Corey Schneider was supposed to take the reins, and that was actually a fairly big trade. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure the trade was Corey Schneider for. Um, uh, I believe Vancouver. it was the. I think it was, it was the Bo Horvat pick. Yeah, yeah. So that ended up being a massive deal for both organizations. Uh, is Bo Horvat the captain in Vancouver? Absolutely, yeah. And yeah, I'm pretty so, sure he's one of the best face-off guys in the league this year. Like, he's a solid two-way guy who I think we're just going to see uh, grow even more. And he's from our neck of the woods, from uh, Elgin, Ontario, I'm pretty sure. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. And uh, and that, that's the thing. Like, when that trade happened, uh, there was a lot of concern over, was that a good deal because Bo Horvat was still developing? And at the time, Corey Schneider was lights out. I mean, he was in Vesna conversations uh, back then, but then he kind of got the yips Right around 2017, he just couldn't keep it together and he struggled and, like you said, spent a bunch of time in the American Hockey League. And speaking of the American Hockey League, how about those Belleville Senators? Belleville, this is the best position that they've been in their entire existence, Parley. Uh, In the, the three seasons that they've had, they're four points in first in the North Division, four points ahead of the next team, rather. So this team is just buzzing. Absolutely they are. And they took advantage of a place where they should, they had to, you know, you go, uh, you have the bye week. It was kind of a perfect swarm for Belleville. I'm sure Utica uh, had a couple players back as well, but Belleville got their big boys back and they took advantage of it because a big time home and home series again, sorry, not home and home, but big time back and back, back to back against Utica. Wow. Bit of a tongue twister there. But they took advantage. I mean, they took both points. They went into the weekend tied, and now they're up. Uh, 
that's it was great to see that all the guys were back there it seems like when guys are shuffling and the roster moves all around like it has been all year they never lose that chemistry and it's so interesting to watch for young players I don't know if it's just because they play at such a high clip and the puck moves so quickly but I don't know they they just seem to click whenever they're all in that same Belleville uniform Bell Vegas is just brings out the best in people, I guess. Uh, but and that's a good point because the transactions that this team has faced this year, and I think last year they broke a trans transaction records, the Ottawa Senators franchise. So that includes moves uh, up and down to Belleville, of course. But the with between the injuries organization wide, the PTOs, guys being called up from Brampton, trades. It's just this this roster has been revolving for so long. And I think you made a really good point. This was a time for the Belleville Senators to shine because they got a lot of their shiny toys back on offense. I'm talking about Drake Batherson, Philip Schlappick, and, of course, Rudolph Balser's my guy. So they had a lot of guys come back. The first win against Utica on the road, it was, a, it was kind of a funny one because it wasn't really the star players that shined there. It was more the role players, which I thought was really great. And a guy I want to talk to you about, Parley, Parker Kelly. This guy at the start of the season, I was so excited about his game. Uh, he was a guy that I, I called him a high event player because he was making hits. He was putting the puck on net. He was just a guy with a lot of energy, it seemed, at the start of the season. But things went slow for him real bad at one point. He went 17 straight games without registering a point. And when you're in the minor leagues and you're trying to make a name for yourself, you can really disappear out there and... I, to be honest, in that 17-game stretch, I completely forgot about Parker Kelly, but he's heated up lately. He's got six points in his past eight games, and it's just crazy because that's over half his total points on the season. In his last eight games, he has 11 total points, so he definitely has uh, heated up. Uh, anyone you want to highlight from this weekend, uh, Parley, and Belleville's back-to-back wins against Utica? Well, you mentioned Parker Kelly there, and definitely a guy that I was excited about coming out of the rookie tournament as well, and how he looked at the start of this year when we were all down in Belleville. Like you said, a high-event guy, kind of in on everything and never lets a shift go by sort of thing. It's nice to see when that the role players are doing that, and I think that has a lot to do with the top six. I don't want to take it away from the hard work he puts in and how he's been more heating up lately, but when you have guys that are playing so well, it takes so much of the other team to line match against them that Parker Kelly and guys like that aren't going to see good shutdown players or quality top six guys against them. So that's when they have to take advantage. You know, if the third liner scoring against a third line, that's definitely showing some promise. And it also shows uh, a pretty bright light for this team when it comes to playoff time that you have depth scoring and you're able to put the puck in the net. Um, another guy too is uh, Morgan Klimchuk was able to hop on the board in the second of the two games, uh, along with Drake Batherson, Balsers, and Philip Schlappick. Uh, another guy, I mean, we talk about him a lot, that you asked if I want to put a little uh, attention on him. Uh, Joey Decord, another 30 saves. Uh, this guy's taking over the number one spot. When Anders Nielsen gets heavy, I don't, or sorry, he- healthy, <laughs> I, don't know who, I don't know who's going back down to Brampton. Yeah, hopefully Nielsen's got not getting too heavy on his uh, on his time off. We need him back in the net. But that's an interesting point you mentioned about Decord. And I don't know if I would fully agree with you that he's the bonafide number one, though. It seems that Troy Mann's been kind of flipping between uh, Gustafson and Decord. And why not? I mean, the usual saying is go with the hot goalie. But when both goalies are playing so well, especially in back-to-back situations, 
why not start them start uh, one one night and the other the other night? And then you mentioned some of the guys who scored goals in this game. This is where the stars really shined. You got Schlappick, Batherson, Balsers, Bransom had a nice assist, and Morgan Klimchuk, guy you mentioned who scored uh, that game as well. That he doesn't get that goal if it's not for the amazing play of Alex Formanton. Alex Formanton, he had two defenders right on him, and he sent up the softest pass I've ever seen. But it timed out perfectly for Klimchuk to uh, get in on a breakaway, and he just buried it. So just an absolute great weekend for the Belleville Senators, and you gotta love seeing them at the top of this division. Four points ahead, especially when Utica is right there behind them and they beat them in both games. So Belleville is clicking on all cylinders. And guys, if you haven't been out to a Belleville game, make the drive. It's worth it. The, the games are so good. This team is a lot of fun. They're scoring goals. They're making plays. So definitely want to encourage people to get out and watch the Belleville Senators. And speaking of which, if you've been a listener of this podcast I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On Podcast Network to reach sports fans, but you may not know that the Locked On Senators podcast is also a great way for your local business to reach passionate Sens fans just like you. We've had a good boost in listeners and downloads lately, so definitely if you're a business in the area, give us give us a contact. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners, not just any podcast listener, also a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with Senators fans in Ottawa or Belleville, as we talk a lot about both teams, and a predominantly male audience that is well-educated with disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit lockedonpodcast.com slash advertising. We're looking forward to hearing from you. So, Parley, now let's just wrap up a little bit what's been happening since uh, we last spoke. We talked a lot about the All-Star game for the NHL. And as I just mentioned a couple minutes ago, Alex Formanton had a great play to set up Morgan Klimchuk for the goal. And he, like, it's just crazy. The fact that people don't fully understand his speed and underestimate him is hilarious because he was an absolute speedster out there in the fastest skating competition in the AHL. And, you know, we talk about, it's impressive that he wins this. And we, I, you know, I just kind of talked about how it's my favorite competition in the skills competition and stuff like that. So it's nice to see him win, but this Belleville team is definitely getting a little bit decorated. You know, uh, we had the uh, all-star MVP in front of the show, Drake Batherson last year. And now we've got Alex Formanton as the speedster across the American league. So it's definitely fun to see, but Alex Formington, you know, he came into the, when he was drafted, he was looked at as the fastest player in the draft. Took him in the second round, he's his fastest player, put that label on him. But we've started to see him, and as we've paid attention to him at Belleville, I don't want to just focus on his speed, because he's, like you said, a good playmaker. He never slows down the cycle, he never takes that extra second. He's able to keep up with the pace of play, not just with his feet, but with his hands and everything else. 
and he's tenacious on the puck. Like you said, he fought off two guys to throw that puck up there. He's a little bit gritty. We saw him when against Philadelphia, remember, two years ago when he was up with the team making it out of camp, and uh, he started a bit of a line brawl that turned into a uh, bit of a gong show of a game in Philadelphia. So he's got that ability to kind of get under your skin, but he's also got the offensive capabilities to uh, kind of kick you while you're down as well. So definitely not a one-trick pony. And uh, it's exciting to see his progression and his growth, but not losing that one thing that made him such a valuable pick in the second round. And that's a great point, Parley. I mean, when we saw Formanton, I think, uh, like you said, he played a couple NHL games earlier on and uh, you and Ross were super stoked about him. And I just wasn't sold. I just I saw this guy as like, as you said, a one trick pony. He's got some speed, but unless he's going to get the puck on the wing, uh, with a defenseman looking at him to beat him, he he really wasn't doing much else on the ice, which was really disappointing. But he's really formed into a great player. And like again, like you said, he kept his speed and probably has even gotten faster. And I think it's hilarious. Uh, Guy Boucher, remember our old friend Guy, he quoted that Formanton has McDavid-like speed. And we were all over that. We were letting... Uh, all the Leafs fans uh, in our friend group know that we had a guy as fast as McDavid, and they all kind of chuckled and thought it was just uh, we were just blowing smoke. But this is for real. So now that he's forming uh, his game a lot, uh, a lot better, he's going to turn into a great player, I think. And I would not be surprised at all if he cracks the Ottawa Senators uh, roster next season. Another couple of fun things I want to talk about. Uh, because I don't think the AHL gets enough, uh, like enough looked at and enough attention. And if we're going to be talking about, um, like the skills competition and stuff like that, honorable mention, Martin Furk. Did you see that? First off, this guy doesn't have a syllable in it or sorry, a vowel in his last name. So that just makes him a bit of an oddball to start. Yeah. We talk about one trick ponies. And the one thing for Martin Furk was his scouting report was always, well, I mean, if he can kind of put another couple of things together, he can help you on the power play, but I don't know how many minutes he's going to play five on five. That's kind of helped him or uh, made him stay down in uh, the AHL. He's playing for the Ontario Reign. His shot, like you said, like we said with Formanton, with his speed, people need to take notice of how good his speed is. People need to take notice of how good Martin Furk's shot is. 109.2 miles per hour, beating Zadino Char's record. That is so fast. That's faster than a Rollers Chapman can throw a fastball. Like, you think about it, that's about, what, 40 kilometers over the speed limit on the highway in Ontario? Like, that's nuts how hard this guy can shoot the puck. It's unbelievable. And so my question for you is, stick technology is getting that much better around every league. How like how ridiculous is this going to get? What what do you think the tops we'll see in the next couple of years will be? Do you think somebody's going to break 109, or are we going to have to wait on it for a while? Well, that's a good point because it's and I, I like that you uh, compared it to pitching because I forget what, what I was listening to, but uh, there was a debate going on how like how much faster can a human being pitch a baseball? Like, sure, it's getting faster and faster and faster. But eventually, there's got to be a limit, right? Like, a, the body can only do so much. And throwing a baseball, there's not really as much equipment involved. I mean, the ball and your glove, I guess, could there could be some differences there. But really, it's just a human hurling his arm as fast as he can. Whereas the slap shot competition, you've got the stick technology, which is changing crazily. And I, to, to answer you, Parley, I don't really know. Like, I remember that when Zdeno Chara had that record, I was pretty sure it was never going to be beaten. But 
where I want to go with this is goalie friendly show. Holy crap. Am I scared or holy Ferk, I should say, am I worried for these goalies because their goaltender uh, equipment is getting smaller and smaller and smaller because the league is so um, infatuated with goals that they think the best way to get goals happening is to make the goalie equipment smaller so that there's more space to score on. But at what point do you say these guys are shooting it at 110 miles per hour, basically in the minor leagues, in the minesies, they're hitting these numbers. So when you got guys like Zdeno Chara, bigger, stronger players with more experience that are going to be shooting the puck at you and the goalie equipment's getting smaller. That's pretty scary for me. And hopefully uh, the safety committee keeps an eye on that and keeps goalies protected. And I mean, yeah, goalies, but they're the ones with the most equipment. You look at Eric Carlson's career and he's kind of, I mean, he's not, he's still an elite defenseman, but he blocked a shot and it shattered his heel and, now look where he is. You know what I mean? Like there's so many different things. That's like guys that block shots, obviously you respect it. And that's a big part of the game. So how people find success and blue collar guys that are blocking shots on the penalty kill. And it's obviously very good, but to, to what point are you wanting guys laying down in front of pucks? If guys are shooting at almost 110 miles an hour, uh, it was a fun little note. Like, I can't believe he shot it that hard though. Yeah. It's just absolutely insane. And so tonight we've got a tankathon special parley. The New Jersey Devils versus the Ottawa Senators in Ottawa. So we usually like to uh, look at some prospects that uh, these two teams, specifically the Ottawa Senators, might take a look at. And who's your guy today? Uh, Austrian fellow, isn't it? It is indeed as we take another dive into uh, kind of the uh, the basement dwellers here, as, as we like to say. So, uh, yeah, Marco Rossi is going to be the guy that we're going to focus on today. And it rounds out the top five of what's kind of been the latest projections of where of where the draft in 2020 is going to go. And uh, we've showcased the other four. So just to recap, uh, Alexi Lafreniere, number one, still kind of that runaway number one pick. So it's a bit of a Lafreniere lottery this year, if you will. And then Quinton Byfield and uh, Stutzel is a guy that, Tim Stutzel, the guy that we showcased most recently. And then Cole Perfetti, I'm sure you'll remember, we, we focused on him as well. But now, the guy that Ottawa residents will be familiar with, and that is the Austrian Ottawa 67, Marco Rossi. So quick note on him is GMs might be a little bit hesitant to pick a centerman who's only five foot nine, but man, where he lacks in size, he's got all the offensive skill to back it up. Listen to these numbers, Pills. 81 points in 37 games played. Unbelievable. Wow. Unbelievable. I put a little more stock into plus minus than some guys. I mean, when I think kind of the rule of thumb is if if you're over plus ten, it's impressive, and if you're less than mi- less than minus ten, it's kind of that that ten zone where if you're less than minus, it's okay, yeah, he's he's a minus player. If he's above, because yeah. there's so many variables, this guy blows that out of the water. He's a plus fifty one this year. Which he was is, last year too, a plus fifty one. Yeah. So there's some <laughs> consistency there. Absolutely unbelievable what this guy's been able to do. Um, a little bit of a knock on him, though, as you look around the league. He did have a five-game suspension at the start of this year, and I guess he's gotten away with another a couple questionable things. So maybe a little bit of a firecracker, but hey, he's 18 years old. You know, these kids got a lot of growing up to do and stuff like that. I'm 23. I'm certainly not a grown-up. So, I mean, you look around the league, it's stuff like that where uh, sometimes maybe – 
that gets blown out of the water and GMs, guys that have been around hockey for a long time, just kind of say, hey, things happen when you're out on the ice. So I can't tell you that uh, that it's going to be a, it's going to knock him that much, but definitely something to keep an eye on. And then you look around, um, I mean, he he's just a skill guy, you know, through and through. He's skilled. Uh, a couple guys said he's got that swagger that'll carry him into the next into the next step of his career well because he wants to be kind of the uh, the dirtiest guy out there making making the nicest plays and stuff like that. So he's got that swagger that'll kind of keep him going. And uh we talked about Cole Perfetti, another guy who's kind of smaller coming into this draft that can put up points, but maybe his foot speed wasn't there. This guy's got all the foot speed in the world. So he's small and his feet kind of keep him going and keep him in plays. Very skilled, very competitive. Marco Rossi, look for him to potentially go in the top five, uh, an Austrian player, a German player, and three Canadians. So this will be uh, this will be a fun one to watch coming down the line. It's interesting to say we uh, haven't had an American in the top five, which is which is pretty uh, pretty off from what we've had the last couple of years. Well, I don't know, Parley. It's pretty common that you have uh, Germans and Austrian hockey players in the top five, isn't it? <laughs> nope, not at all. <laughs> I think Dreisaitl is probably one of the last uh, one, uh, at least from Germany, Austria. The only Austrian player I can really think of is Thomas Vanek. I'm not sure where he was drafted, but uh, it'd be great if uh, the Senators, I mean, especially, we'll, we'll see with our Tankathon spin coming up where they'll end up picking. But if they could get a guy like Rossi and Stutzel, what a what an injection into their lineup. And you talked about how Rossi had that questionable suspension. And I don't, you know what, I think it'd be, this is kind of good for a guy, a skilled guy to have a little sandpaper with him, especially when you start thinking down the future for the Ottawa Senators. How great would it be for a guy like Rossi, a skilled centerman, to be on a line with Brady Kachuk as your top line? You've got skill and you've got a sandpaper finish there too to uh, keep teams guessing. So that's a guy that I'll definitely be targeting and going to be watching from, uh, from now till the Ottawa Senators draft in this year's draft. Well, let's see where they're drafting pills. Do you have it ready, or would you like me to click the tankathon first? Why don't you go ahead, Parley? I've got it here, but you take the honors. Appreciate it. Here we go. All right. All right. This one's not great, but it's not terrible either. Tonight's opponent, again, jumping in to first overall, New Jersey Devils. We talked about it on the last show. It would be ridiculous Ooh. to have Lafreniere and Hughes down the middle. And Heischer, like, Jesus. Imagine imagine your three top centers are all former 1-1s. Like, that's just ridiculous. <laughs> that might be the first time in history that would happen. It's got to be. Mo- moving on, the Senators. Your Ottawa Senators picking number four. So in the okay. top five, that's all right. And then the San Jose pick coming in at number six. So four and six, obviously you want to jump into that top three, but four and six, I mean, the Senators did pretty well last time they picked with the fourth overall pick, getting Brady Kachuk. I don't think you'll find a guy whose brother will be meeting him in the All-Star game in their hometown in a couple of years, but I mean, four and six in this year's draft class, you can be doing some real damage. Yeah, I don't mind that. I don't mind that. So I'll I'll take a spin here. Oh, ho, ho, Parley. First, overall, the Ottawa Senators with their own pick, which is nice to see. And then Buffalo second overall with their pick. So that's kind of a nice uh, change from the uh, when Buffalo was able to select Darlene because they finished dead last and Ottawa was in 30th that year and they got bumped down to four. So it's nice that Ottawa comes ahead there. And then the San Jose pick uh, that Ottawa has bumps down to number eight. 
I'm not too concerned about that. If you get first overall, I couldn't care less where that next pick comes up. So that's totally fine. And I mean, honestly, you can even use that as a trading chip. If you have first overall and then eighth, you can use that as a chip to move around, move up, down, who knows? So that'll be exciting for sure. Absolutely, it will. First overall, I would. Uh, I don't think I would be. Well, I guess they go from the bottom to top. But if the Senators got first overall, I, I don't know what I would do. We would have some sort of crazy party like that. Would oh my god? Because <laughs> a guy like Lafreniere, like it's no offense to Darlene, he's definitely an incredible defenseman. But I don't think he's a guy that's going to change the future of this Buffalo organization. Uh, more like Jack Eichel, I would say, yeah. has definitely been more dynamic. I mean, it's pretty early to say that, but he's been more of a style of player that's really going to be franchise altering. Whereas Darlene wasn't really. And then you look at guys like Heischer and Jack Hughes that we just talked about that so far, they don't look like guys that are going to be complete game changers. They're definitely great players, but for your first overall, you're expecting a guy to come in there and change everything up. Absolutely. You are. And uh, I mean, if the senators are able to do that, we've, we've definitely showcased a lot of top five talent this year, uh, four and six, like I, like I had in my tankathon spin, you would definitely get some game changers, but there's such a big difference when it comes from the talent available in a number one or number two overall pick to a guy that you're able to get a little bit lower down. Um, The game style, we talk about it all the time, the intangibles that Brady Kachuk brings to the game. He is a game changer, but he was brought down maybe because he doesn't have the top-end talent. Let me tell you, Alexi Lafreniere, by all accounts, has all the top-end talent in the world to change your organization. Whoever gets him is definitely on the right track heading forward, and they're, uh, they're poised to have the best one of the best centermen in the league within the next three years. I mean, that's how much talent this kid has. So he is definitely franchise altering. We're not joking around when we talk about how much he would change an organization. Well, that's just music to my ears. And I think uh, on that note, we'll, we'll wrap things up unless you got anything else to add, Parley. Nope. Excited for the game tonight and uh, watching some uh, NHL action. That's not in one tone, black and white, all-star uniform. So let's get back to the real stuff tonight. Yeah, some some good old-fashioned five-on-five even-strength action between (laughs) two powerhouse teams in 28th and 29th place. Get ready. I mean, all jokes aside, I am very excited that the Ottawa Senators, Senators are back in NHL action tonight against the New Jersey Devils. And then tomorrow, they're in Buffalo, which I'll actually be going to that game. I'm making the trip with my girlfriend to go uh, see them play the Sabres. It's always always nice to see uh, Ottawa in Buffalo because you have to pretty much take out a second mortgage on a house if you want to see them play uh, the Leafs in Toronto. And then you got to make the, the crazy journey from Toronto all the way to Ottawa if you want to see them for a home game. So Buffalo is usually my go-to. I'm fired up for that, fired up for tonight's game. Thank you for listening to the Locked On Senators podcast. For myself, Brandon Piller, for Chris Parliament, we'll catch you next time.